that the entire gospel is in these three words in verse 28. Come to me. Come to me, he says to you. He says, don't make your life about trying harder. Not that we shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying that. But you know the difference between doing life with spirit power and doing life with willpower is that we end up way more exhausted and way more burnt out than God ever intended for us to be. God never intended us to be burnt out, stressed out to the max. That's not how God intended for us to do life. Not at all. And we end up staying there if we don't accept the invitation. Right? These are gospel words that Jesus says. Come to me. Stop trying to make it all right on your own. Right? Stop trying to produce your own righteousness and make God happy with you all by yourself. Come to me, he says. Right? I want you to imagine for a moment that you're in a house and someone says to you, hey, Jesus is in the living room and he would like to see you. You walk into that room. What reception do you expect from Jesus, if you're honest? What reception do you expect from him? Because <laughs> I've asked this question because it's very re- revealing and important. Because I think some of us expect this kind of reception. I got arms crossed. He's disappointed with me. But what does this verse reveal to us here? What is his default position toward us? His attitude toward us. He's looking at us and he's saying, my arms are open. My arms are open. Come to me. Come to me. Like a little kid running to their dad, arms raised, saying, pick me up. I need help. And Jesus is saying, I welcome that. Come to me like a little kid who doesn't know, any, doesn't know what to do and has no strength left. Come to me. We got to accept the invitation. Hey, many of us are going through life and we're not accepting this invitation. We're rejecting the invitation, maybe not even outwardly, maybe not in the front of our minds, but we reject this invitation when we don't make time for prayer in our daily lives. When we don't make time for prayer, we reject the invitation of Jesus Christ who's saying, come to me, come to me, ask me for help. But so many of us insist on doing life in such a prayerless way. We're not asking God for help. Maybe we're asking God for help when we get down into the foxhole, right? And things get bad enough. And sometimes I think God lets things get bad enough because it's the only time that I actually take this stance with him. It's the only time I go, God, help me. Jesus, help me. But how powerful would it be for us to get out of willpower and to get into spirit power if every single day we just get down on our knees and say, Lord, I need your help today. I need your help <laughs> I need your help just to be a decent person today, to be a Christian today. <clears throat> I, may need to, I may need to forgive things today, Lord, and I need your help to do that. I might have to preach a Sunday morning sermon and not get into a coughing fit. <clears throat> Jesus and I had that conversation this morning. If we don't make time for prayer, we don't make time for getting in the word on a regular basis, we're functionally rejecting the invitation of Jesus Christ and we will never make the exchange. We'll never make the exchange. We will be doing life on willpower for the rest of our lives. That's how it'll work. And Jesus is inviting us into something so much better than this. Carry me. Jesus welcomes that and run to him. We got to accept his invitation. If we're going to make this exchange. Here's another thing we've got to do. Look at number two. Admit we are hopeless 
without his help. We've got to admit this. Admit we are hopeless without his help. Come to me, all you who have it all together. No, that's not what he said, right? Come to me, all you who feel strong and like you're having a pretty good day. Uh, come to me, all you who are not confused right now about anything in life. Come to me, all you whose resources are overflowing and you don't really feel a need to pray right now. That's not what he says. He says what? Weary and burdened. Weary and burdened. And this describes us, all of us, um, whether we think it does or not. And to admit this sometimes feels like like, like it's weak, like we're being weak, and we're told to, to hey, come on, buck up, buttercup. This is, what, this is advice I've received in the past in my life, where I'm feeling weary and burdened, and somebody says to me, buck up, buttercup. And it only gets harder from here, man, you know. This is not what Jesus says. Is it come to me, you who are weary and burdened? These two words, important, weary is an internal state. Okay, it's an internal state of exhaustion, right? It's describing something on the inside. I'm, I'm, weary, in, I'm weary in the inside. Life has worn on me. I am tired. I have been trying. It has not been working. And I am weary on the inside, and even if I sleep a full eight hours and have three good meals and maybe physically feel pretty good, like we all know what it's like to go from weary day to weary day, don't you? It's like, man, I got actually, have you ever gone on vacation or taken a weekend away and gotten back and you're like, I feel like nothing happened, right? This is weariness. That's weary. Burdened is an external reality, right? You're carrying a load, right? And sometimes, we're carrying loads that God never intended for us to carry, right? We're carrying a load of stress because uh, we're prideful people and, and we think that if we just plan hard enough, work hard enough, that we can avoid bad outcomes and that usually ends up with us being stressed out in life, right? So we're carrying a load. Sometimes we're carrying a load that's just part of doing life, right? I've watched this happen. I've watched this happen where, where somebody, there's a family situation happening and someone in the family has a medical emergency or some kind of medical event that kind of changes how the family dynamic works and now they need to be cared for and that is a load. It's a new load, both for the person who is ill because they have to bear the burden of being ill and not feeling well and the people around them who need to care for them because if they don't, right, then everything can fall apart, right? The Peyton household recently had everybody break bones, right? It's like pretty soon there was, it's like, but God timed it out so there would be somebody there to care for the other person, right? And the one who's caring for them is like, I wonder when it's my time to break a leg. I'm not sure, but it's coming soon, I think. But like that's, it's a load. Sometimes it's just life. You're just doing life and there are loads to carry. And, and to, to you, Jesus says, Come to me and just admit, I can't do this. 
That's not something that we like to admit. I don't like to admit that. I don't like people to know that. I'm, I'm going to be vulnerably honest with you right now as your pastor. I don't like to look weak in front of you. I don't like it. If my sinful pride had its way, I'd, I'd prefer just to look strong all the time in front of everybody. I'd prefer to look like I've got it all spiritually figured out all the time. But here's the truth. I am hopeless without his help. And so are you. We are weary and burdened people. We are hopeless without his help. We just have to admit this. If, we make, if we're going to make this exchange, we have to admit, we've got to put our arms out and say, I cannot do this on my own. Willpower is not going to get it done, right? Steve's willpower is pathetic. It's not going to get it done. Pastor McNeil said this. He said, willpower is not a muscle. Like, you can work it out and make it stronger. No, it's a finite resource. It's like a tank. When it's gone, it's gone. Right? It's like that. People tell me, like, hey, buck up. Just get stronger. Try harder. No. Jesus is saying, come to me. Arms open wide. You need to admit this. Life is too much for you. It's what God said to Elijah. Remember when Elijah in 1 Kings 18, 19 runs away into the cave? After his, you know, steel cage death match with all of the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He wins, by the way, (laughs) and then runs away after Jezebel threatens his life. And he goes in the cave and God whispers to him and says, what are you doing here? But then God says to him, you need to eat a little bit and drink a little bit. The journey is too much for you. We like to say that God won't give us any more than we can handle. And I'm just going to tell you that's not true. (laughs) God doesn't give us any more than he can handle. So we go to him and say, I need help. We are hopeless without his help. We have to recognize this, okay? Accept his invitation. Admit we are hopeless without his help. Here's the third thing we got to do. We're going to get rest. Here we go. We need to, number three, surrender to his authority. You say, what does that have to do with rest? Well, look at the passage. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Okay, Accept the invitation. Admit we are hopeless without his help. And he says, I will give you rest. And then he says this, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. You guys know what a yoke is? Apparatus you put over the neck that helps you carry a load, right? They would put them on teams of oxen, right, to plow a field, but there were also human yokes, and this is likely the one that Jesus has in mind, a human yoke that would help you carry a load. Like, imagine you're carrying two massive buckets of water someplace, right? Like a yoke. Back then, right, a yoke was also symbolic. It was symbolic of servitude. You were a servant of the one who'd placed the yoke on you. In fact, they would talk about a yoke a lot of times as rabbis would talk about a yoke, essentially speaking about how they interpreted the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They would talk about this 
And that, that how they interpreted those laws and how they applied them would be called a yoke. And part of what Jesus is referring to here is he's talking about people who have had a yoke placed on them by Pharisees and scribes that they can't bear. Why? Because who can be perfect with all of those laws? Right? That's a system of trying. That's a willpower system. And, and Jesus is saying, no, take my yoke upon you. But I find it so interesting that Jesus doesn't say, hey, just throw the yoke off. He doesn't say that. You would think if rest were what we were going for here, Jesus, I feel like maybe throwing the yoke off would be better. But he doesn't say that. He says, take my yoke upon you. He says, you want, you want to rest. You surrender to my authority, my authority over your life. Here's why. If we choose to do life the way that we want to do life, right? Throw the yoke off, totally free. If we choose to do life the way we want to do life, do you think in the end that's going to be easier or harder than doing life Jesus' way? If we do life our own way, in the end, do you think that's easier or harder than doing life Jesus' way? Oh, it's harder. Oh, it's much harder. If I'm going to do life my own way, my sin, every sin causes a mess. Every sin causes a mess. I decide I'm going to do my life my own way. Well, I'm going to be in a lot of messes all the time. Here's the thing. Life is hard. Is life hard? Life is hard. But we make life far harder than it ever should have been. We make life far harder than God ever intends it to be for us. And we do that by insisting on doing it our own way. When we do life our way and throw the yoke off, it's harder. But if we do life Jesus' way, it's hard. But in the end... It's easier. Why? Because Jesus created the place. He made the whole universe. So if I'm doing life the way that Jesus wants me to do life, I'm going with the grain, right? I'm going with the grain. So when Jesus says, hey, listen, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When he says those things, when he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. When he says, as a church, be unified more than, be, con, be more concerned with being unified than with being proven right. When he says things like this all over the place, it's going with the grain. And when we go against it, we're taking on a far harder yoke than what we think we are. Throwing on the yoke of Jesus means that we have to surrender to his authority over our lives, right? A fish out of water is not free. It's dead. Well, you think of a fish wants to be free and wants to, be, wants to jump out of the water. No, that's, that's not freedom, that's death. Doing life our own way is not freedom, it's death. And it's far harder we have to surrender to the yoke of Jesus if we want rest. That's how the system works. You want to live a life where you're less stressed? 
surrendered his authority, which means this, number four, can't do this without this. We have to listen to his word and do what it says. You say, really? Like that's in here. And Jesus is talking about rest. Yes, it's in here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says. Learn from me. This is very important. We learn by becoming a student of his word. And becoming a student of his word, we learn more about him and more about how he wants us to do life. And we have to do what it says, right? This is not a new idea. This is an old idea as well. All the way back in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look at the crossroads. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. Jesus is quoting this. He's saying, you want to find rest for your souls? I know you're tired. I know you're burdened. I know you're exhausted. And I'm telling you, part of the solution, making the exchange, right? Give me your pride. Stop insisting on doing life your own way and with your own willpower. Instead, do it my way and you will receive rest. But we have to listen to his word and do what he says. Take his yoke upon us and learn from him. I love that he says learn here, by the way, too. He says learn. Right? Just remember. What does it look like when someone's learning how to do something? Does it look neat and clean? Is it quick? How many of you have ever learned how to do something difficult quick? Right? Doesn't happen. So Jesus knows this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and he will always see us as those who are learning. Are we going to get it right every time when we're learning? No, we are not. There is nobody in the universe that is more patient with you than Jesus. You're like, well, I think my Mima is pretty patient with me. Maybe. But Jesus is more patient than Mima is, okay? Way more patient. My mom's pretty patient with me. Well, that's great. Jesus is more patient with you than your mom. Nobody's more patient with you than Jesus. He knows we're learning. But it's what we got to do. Take his yoke upon us, right? Surrender to his authority. Do it his way, not our way. And we got to learn what he says and do what he says, right? James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, right? And part of the, re part of the reception there is we get rest from Jesus. If we're going to make this exchange, give him our pride, receive rest from him, we need to accept his invitation. Don't let a day go by without spending time with Jesus. You're, you're begging for a stressed out day at that point. You're begging for a day with very little rest if you do it that way. Admit that we are hopeless without his help. We have to surrender to his authority and listen to his word and do what it says. Here is the last thing, number five. Know his heart and trust his heart. Know his heart and trust his heart. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These things in verse 30, they're oxymorons. They don't go together. An easy yoke, a light burden, that's a little like saying hot snow or bad tacos. Don't go together. Or, or a huggy Pastor McNeil. Pastor McNeil, you know him, he's such a hugger. He's hugged me so many times in our history already. It's a little bit like, come on, this is weird, man. Like, oh, they don't go together. Not unless you're Cindy. Then he is huggy. But see, how can these things go together? An easy yoke, a light burden. How can they go together? The reason they can go together is because of the person and character of Jesus Christ. That's why. Jesus turns everything on its head because of who he is. The reason that a yoke can be easy and a burden can be light is because of the heart of Jesus Christ. And right here he does something unique. Don't let this pass us by today. Of the four gospel accounts of Jesus' life and words, only one place does he tell us about his heart. Right here. You realize that? Only one place that he tells us about his heart, and it's right here. Dane Ortland, in his book Gentle and Lowly, a book written on these words, he says this. I love what he says. He says, in one place in the Bible where the Son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is, we are not told that he is austere and demanding in heart. We are not told that Jesus is exalted and dignified in heart. We are not told even that he is joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus himself set his own terms, his surprising claim is that at the core of his being, he is gentle and lowly at heart. And when, when the Bible says heart, it means the center of the person. The deepest core of the person, not his emotions, not merely that. The deepest core of who he is. So when he says, I'm gentle, it means that Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh and reactionary. He is literally the most understanding person in the universe. Open arms is what comes naturally to him. And when he says, I'm lowly, it means he's accessible. He is the most approachable person in the universe. That's who your Jesus is. And so we have to know it and trust it because the devil is ready to give us a lie about who Jesus is all the time to keep us from running to him with arms open saying, carry me, Lord. 
to keep us from doing this because the devil wants to keep us on the willpower plan because that's the plan where we get exhausted and we get confused and we get to throw off the things that we learn in Scripture. This is the plan he wants to keep us on, whereas the real Jesus is gentle and lowly and has his arms wide open and is saying to you every day, come to me, just come to me. I know you're confused, I know you're exhausted, I know you're tired, I know you're all these things. Come to me, and I will give you rest. I am gentle and lowly at heart. So are you tired today? Yeah. Jesus wants to give you rest. Just got to give him your pride. Run to him. Accept the invitation. Admit that you're hopeless without his help. Surrender to his authority, learn and do his words, and never forget that the real Jesus Christ is gentle and lowly and is inviting you to a place where you can rest.